Well, the children have certainly blessed us this morning, haven't they, with the beautiful story of how God always keeps his promises without fail to waiting people. And what they've done is put us here this morning in a really good place to hear the rest of the story, the story of another promise that turns you and me right now in this moment into waiting people, people like Mary and Joseph were. Before the angel came and told them what was to happen, they were waiting for God to fulfill his promises. Just like the shepherds out on the hillside before the angel came and lit up the night sky, they were waiting as well, waiting for God to fulfill his promise. They waited, you and I wait. So the question for us this morning is, what do we do while we wait? What do we do while we wait? The answer is simple, it's in Scripture for us, and it is we pray. While we wait for the Lord to return, we pray. If you have your Bible with you, would you take it and turn to the very last book in the Bible, the last book, the book of Revelation, and when you've gotten to Revelation, turn to the very last chapter, last book, last chapter of the Word of God, Revelation chapter 22, and when you've found your place, I'm going to ask you to stand. So we can hear read together the word of the living God. This is the word of the Lord Jesus himself speaking, beginning in verse 12. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me, to repay each one for what he has done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David the bright morning star, the spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come, let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the promise in this very book that your blessing will be upon those who read and hear your word. Lord, that's what we've done in these moments. We've read your word, your truth, and so we ask you, as always, to be faithful to your promise. Bless us now as we come together around your word. Bless us to be the people you've called us to be and to do the things you've called us to do. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, you heard the promise, 
In verse 12, behold, I am coming quickly. That's Jesus' promise. And it's repeated also, if you look up in verse 7, the same thing. Behold, I am coming quickly. Now look with me, if you will, in verse 16. And and listen again to the clarity with which Jesus speaks to emphasize the utmost importance of this promise. He says in verse 16, I... Jesus, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony. This isn't someone else speaking on behalf of Jesus. Not a press agent. This is Jesus himself. The testimony and the promise that it contains comes from Jesus. And so you and I need to listen very carefully to his words this morning. What is that testimony? That Jesus has so specifically sent out to his churches. Well, broadly, the testimony is all of the book of Revelation. Everything that, that the angel has revealed to John, that the apostle John, turns into this book that we call Revelation. All the visions, the angels, the dragon, the white horse and red horse and black horse and that pale horse that's ridden. By death, the great battles, the battle of Armageddon. It would take people skilled in CGI to show us visually all that Jesus showed to John because it's so otherworldly, like nothing we've ever seen before. And that is, is part of the testimony. I hope you know that this world, as we see it, what we see in it, is not all there is. There's more. I think we have a sense of that. Just the top five fantasy movies of 2017, just the top five, grossed over $915 million. Fantasy movies. Forbes magazine says that science fiction and fantasy book sales have doubled since 2010. We are intrigued, aren't we? We are drawn into the possibility of more and and what that more might look like. And so we fantasize about it. Well, the book of Revelation and the testimony of Jesus that it contains is about that more. It's about a battle. But listen, it's not a fantasy. Please tell me you believe that. The book of Revelation is not a fantasy. Do you believe that? On one side is God and Jesus. On the other side is Satan and his demons. That's the battle. And it would be futile for us to attempt to refute that such a battle exists. Because we realize that we are in that battle every day we live in this world. There's good and there's evil. The only difference is that some might not have rightly identified the source of that good and evil rightly. The good and the evil, they are beyond just human activity, beyond just human goodness, beyond just human sinfulness. The battle, the rages, is bigger than that. It's bigger than earth. And Revelation, in the entirety of it, is testimony of good news. And the good news is God wins. God wins. You know why that's good news? Because God is good and he wins. The evidence that he wins 
is in chapter 21 and chapter 22 of Revelation where John sees a a picture of the new heaven and the new earth. Some of our favorite passages in Scripture. A time and a place where God will dwell with His people. We love that. A time and place where God will wipe away every tear from every eye. A place where there will be no more pain or suffering. Where all things are made new. That gives us hope. In the new heaven, the new earth, there will be no need for, for light. Because Christ Himself will be the light. In that place, a river of crystal clear water. The river of life will flow from the throne of God. And on either side of that river will be the tree of life. That's the testimony of Revelation. And those pictures, though we only see them in our mind's eye, are meant to to draw us in so that we have this emotional response to the possibility. So that we say in our hearts, this is a place where I want to dwell forever and ever. That's part of the testimony that these verses speak about that John was to share with the churches, but specifically and most closely connected to Jesus' words here is the promise of verse 7, Behold, I am coming quickly. In verse 12, Behold, I am coming quickly. And this is the testimony, the promise that turns you and me into waiting people. So what we do while we wait in this world, a world of good and evil, what do we do? We, we pray. That's what these verses call us to. Look in verse 17. The Spirit and the bride say, come. Let those who hear say, come. Look in verse 20. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. These are prayers of God's people. Prayers of the church, the bride of Christ. Prayers of every individual in the church who hears the promise of Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. This must be our prayer, your prayer and my prayer, while we wait. Come, Lord Jesus. Are you bold enough? Are you secure enough to pray that prayer? Would you want to see the Lord right now? Are you ready for the Lord to come? Because when Jesus comes again, it won't be silent night Quietly, baby in a manger. (laughs) When the Lord comes again, He promises it will be with great power and in great glory. With the sound of the trumpet and the splitting of the sky. Please imagine, are you ready? When He comes next time, it will be with the armies of heaven following Him. And they'll be dressed in their fine linen, white and pure. And they'll be riding on white horses and from His mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron and he will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. Are you ready for that sight? For that coming? Look in verse 14. It talks about two kinds of people. Those who enter into the city of God and those who are forever outside of it. Those who cannot enter the city are those who have never been made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. They are the people who should not pray. 
should not pray, come Lord Jesus, because they're not ready. For those people who have not been made right with God through faith in Christ, the return of Christ will mean, sadly, that they are forever excluded from the city of God. Forever excluded from that new heaven and that new earth about which we have just spoken. And that's really bad news for people. But verse 20 contains good news. You can not only be ready for the return of Christ, but you can look forward to it. Look in verse 20. And let the one who is thirsty come. And the one who desires the water of life drink freely. Drink freely. Thirst in Scripture is just a representation of gnawing discontent. Thirst is gnawing discontent in life. Thirst is restlessness. Thirst is a continual feeling that there is more than you have and you yearn for it. Thirsty people have not found satisfaction for that thirst in Christ. Thirsty people look for satisfaction in other things and other places and other people. And they find that they're still thirsty. What thirsty people expected would bring relief, finally, to their parched, dried soul and life didn't work. Because those things and places and people from which we seek that satisfaction, they do not connect us to God. And I hope you know that this morning, that your greatest need, the greatest need in your life, is to be connected to God, to be made right with Him. Because we're not right with Him. We don't think right. We don't live right. We don't act right. We don't treat other people rightly. And if you're not right with God, please do not pray this prayer. Come, Lord Jesus. You're not ready. But the good news is, you can be made right with God. God has made it possible. Listen to Jesus' words. Let the one who is thirsty come. And the one who desires the water of life drink freely. That's a beautiful invitation. Do you agree? These are the very last words Jesus speaks in the very last chapter of Scripture. Do we save the best for last? We do. Are not the last words the memorable words? Yes. And so that's how important it is to Jesus that the churches and all who come after hear this free offer of salvation to all people. No other conditions are laid down. Just come to Jesus. This is the universal offer of salvation that addresses the universal need of every human being in every place in the world. But you must accept it. Alexander McLaren writes, Wishing to be delivered from the gnawing restlessness of a hungry heart and to be satisfied is one thing. Willing to accept the satisfaction which Christ gives on the terms which Christ lays down is quite 
another. So you and I have to be made right with God on God's terms. And these are his terms. By coming in faith to Jesus Christ. People can say what they will about Jesus. Say what they do. But here, all we see is the fullness of a big-hearted, open-handed, gracious Savior. Extending a wide open invitation. That's what our Savior is like. Let all come. Whoever's willing, according to verse 20, may come and drink freely. My mind is always boggled, always boggled by the accusation that Christianity is so narrow. It is true, absolutely, that there is one way to God. There is no other way. And so, yes, the way is narrow. But look, the way is open to all. We accept this kind of narrowness in other parts of our lives. If you want to drive to Folly Beach this afternoon, guess what? There's one way to get there. There's one way. Now, now you can think, oh, there's another way. Someone could tell you, oh, don't listen to Craig. There's another way to get to Folly Beach. Go ahead and try. Guess what? You're not going to make it to Folly Beach in your car unless you go the one way and the one road. It's the only way you're going to get there. And so it is with Christ. He's the only way to God. But anyone who wants to take that way may take it. He's the one who can make things right between us and God, and he invites all to come. And guess what else? Good news. He doesn't consider whether we deserve the invitation or not. Because you know what? We don't deserve it. None of us do. He doesn't hold it against us. That we've neglected him in our lives. Doesn't hold us against us that we've spoken ill of him or even denied him or been his enemy. Doesn't matter. Because let me tell you, the word for the day, the word for every day, every day until the Lord returns is come. Come to Jesus. And only when you are in Christ can you pray in return. Now you, Lord Jesus, come. And come quickly. Be sure this morning, be sure that you are in Christ so that you can eagerly pray this prayer, so that you can anticipate with great joy the day that the Lord will return in his power and glory. If you're here this morning and you're you're in Christ, you're, you're right with God. Unless my years of pastoral counseling... 25 years fail me. Even though you're in Christ, some of you may feel a little uneasy about the return of Christ. Because you know in this moment you are not living your life as one who claims to know and love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So you don't really want him to come. Not just yet, anyway. Because you're a waiting person as well. But you are waiting for something different. You're waiting for some undetermined time to start living your life as you should live it. And so you don't pray this prayer that you should be praying 
every day. So should I. Come, Lord Jesus. And if you don't pray this prayer, if you're not eager for the Lord to return, that's a pretty good indication that you are wasting your waiting time. That you're not investing in the kingdom of God as you should. That you're not using the gift that He has given you, the gift of the Holy Spirit, to live a life of holiness. That you're not using the other gifts and talents that He has given you to invest in others and to extend His kingdom. And so you don't want Jesus to return. And so here's what I say to you and to me for those times that my life is that way. Remember the gospel. And remember the grace of it. And remember verse 21 here in Revelation. The grace of Jesus be with you. And remember that the grace of God has appeared. It offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for Himself a people that are His very own, eager to do what is good. When you live this way, it will be a great joy for you to pray every day of your life. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, that's the prayer of our hearts right now. That you would return. Father, we focus on your first coming. In this season, we act as if the rest of history is just the, the aftermath of that one great moment. Lord, what a great moment when you came and entered time and space as a baby. But Lord, there's so much more yet to come. Something even more dramatic when you split the sky and the trumpet sound and you return with the armies of heaven in, in great glory. Lord, what a day that's going to be. And Lord, some of us here in this room may be alive when that happens. It's hard to believe. We ask you, Lord, that you would help us live our lives in such a way that we would long for your coming. We pray that you would help us live our lives in such a way that we realize that we are waiting people and that you have given us things to do while we wait. Or to live lives of holiness that others can see how attractive and beautiful a truly Christian life is in this world. As we live that, while we wait, others are attracted to you. Lord, as we do use the gifts you've given us to extend your kingdom, to tell others the good news of Jesus Christ, and watch, Lord, as you bring people to faith, people with whom we will share the new heaven and the new earth inside the city forever and ever. What a day that will be, Lord. We look forward to it. Lord, for those here this morning who have never right, never yet been made right with you through faith in Jesus, Lord, our prayer is for them this morning. Our prayer is that you, Holy Spirit, would work in their lives. Reveal the depth of their dissatisfaction. Reveal to them, Lord, even in this moment, that you have a remedy for that. That you have peace for them. That you have life and light and hope and all goodness.
is found in Jesus. Father, may they take that way, that one way that's open to all. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.